Do you know what your number one job is as a leader? That's the question that I got from a board member day one as a new executive, and I froze. The answer that he gave me might shock you. I'll tell you here in just a second. Let's dive in. Welcome to the Lead Well Podcast, where we give mission-driven leaders principled and practical advice so you can do just that, lead well. I'm your host, John Kidwell. I am so thrilled to be back with you this week, just like we are every single week, bringing you an episode where we share some leadership content and we answer your questions. So keep sending those in. And if you haven't done so yet, please take the time to share, to subscribe, to review wherever you are consuming this podcast, whether you're watching it on YouTube, listening on Apple or Spotify, engage with it and help us spread the word so that other people can learn about what's going on and how they might be able to lead well as well. Too many wells. All right. I need to tell you about what this board member did and how that all played out. So his name is Tom. He's a wonderful guy. We get through, I'm a new executive. We do the whole board meeting and he pulls me aside and it's like those hallway conversations, right? And he goes, John, do you know what your number one job is as an executive? And I'm sitting here thinking, uh, financial performance, operational effectiveness. Do we need to retreat and build a strategic plan? Are we talking capital? Like what is Tom about to drop on me as my number one job? And He's one of my bosses as a board member, so I'm getting ready to write it down. Just like if you all had your leader, maybe it's not a board member, you're getting ready to write down, this is your number one job. I want to be able to hit the priorities, right? He said, your number one job is to train your replacement. Number one job from that board member was encouraging me to train your replacement. Here's why he said that. Because at the end of the day, leaders develop leaders. We develop the next leader, whether it's for our role, whether it's for our organization, just future, we are always developing and pointing toward legacy. Problem is, positionally, inside of the organization, we do a pretty poor job. Here's what Harvard Law School says, and we're just talking about CEOs. We're not talking about all the different leadership and managerial positions that you have. We're talking CEOs. Harvard Law School says one in seven CEOs fail to be around in their third year. 85% of those were cited for being ineffective or unsuccessful. Now, they only looked at S&P 500 companies. Take that out to your organization. What did the last executive transition look like from CEO or a director or maybe how you moved into your leadership role? Here's how it usually plays out. So-and-so is here today, gone tomorrow. Maybe you get the, hey, if you need to call me, like I'll answer your call, but pretty much they're gone. And all of us are left to figure it out for ourselves. We don't have to accept that as the way that this has to be. In fact, we shouldn't because leaders develop leaders. And that is our number one job as a leader is to develop the next leader. And that's what we're going to walk through today is Leaders develop leaders by sharing what is expected, getting your one, and walking them through how it works in the role. So we're going to go through what, 
who, and how, helping you figure out how to develop a leader that can take your place and transition in real smooth, a nice baton handoff when you are all done. All right, here's where we start. Leaders developing leaders by setting the what. What is expected? What is expected? Every single place we go, you want to know what everyone wants to ask the CEO or their leader? What do you do? Like, what do you do really? We just don't know. Nobody knows the job that you do except for you. So first, start with what is expected. Take the time to reflect on what do you do? What are the priorities and the responsibilities of your role? And what are the expectations from your board, from your leader, from the people that you serve? What exactly is the role and what do you need to do to be able to be successful in it? What, what I found is when I actually do this, one, I can clearly paint a target for whomever I'm going to sit down with and start walking in into developing them with. But number two, I actually gain a better sense of what it is that I do, the highest level contribution work that I can do, and how I might be able to be even more successful. So, uh, you know, a little bonus there that it's going to end up helping you, but you're really doing it to prepare somebody else. So what do you do and what are the expectations? The next one is what is expected of this relationship? You are about to turn around and talk to one person and you're essentially going to say to that person, Hey, I see potential in you. I think you can do this role next if that's something you want to do. And I want to help you get there. And I want to help you get there in such a way that it is a smooth handoff that when I go take my next role or I leave the organization or I retire, there is a great plan for you to step right in. Here's the commitment for that. What does that commitment look like? You have to set the commitment for the engagement of almost like this mentorship relationship of how often you're going to meet what they need to do to contribute. Uh, maybe it's some of the, the tasks or the homework or the books that they're going to read. Maybe it's some of the activities that they're going to go to, uh, some of the experiential learning. What is the commitment on their end that they need to do? And what are you willing to commit to them? And then the last one, what is expected as an outcome? What is the expected outcome? The goal of us doing this is that you take over this role when I leave. The goal of us doing this is that I hand the family business to you. The goal of doing this is that in the process, we start to talk about the with the board about you being the next executive in this organization. So first up, we want to do what is expected. Once we do what is expected for leaders to develop leaders, they need to ask themselves this question. Who's your one? Leaders who develop leaders start with one. Who's your one? Who is that person that's going to come in after you that if you get to choose your successor, who's that person that's going to take your place that you can turn around and invest in and pour into and get them as prepared, if not even more prepared than you were when you took over the role. Do for one what you wish you could do for everybody. Find that person. Here's how you find that person. First thing is, does the person want the role? You're going to sit down and ask people. You're going to get it tested by just talking to them at lunch or coffee or in your one-on-one -on -one meetings. But what are their career, personal, professional goals and aspiration? Is this something that they want to do? 
If they do not want to do it, it is not going to be worth your time and investment, and it is not something that they are going to commit to. They have to want to do it. So if we start there, then flip it to the next one. And before we get into can they do it, I would encourage you to look at do they have what it takes? And I don't mean like the skills or the resume. I mean, do they have the character that it takes? Do you trust them? Are they a person of integrity? Do they follow through on what they say they're going to do? Do they do the type of work at the level that you know is going to be needed to fulfill that leadership responsibility and take it to the next level? What type of person? Who are they and how are they? Once we figure out if they want it and we know that this is an individual of character where I trust them and this is something that I'm going to hand off to you intentionally on purpose, then that last one is you should be able to look and see that they have a tremendous potential functionally to fill the role. Maybe it's business acumen. Maybe it's their communication skills. Maybe it's the way that they approach situations and make decisions. Maybe it's the strategy and the vision that they can build and cast. Do you see potential in them? When you are thinking about who's your one, it is finding someone that aspires to lead. Someone where you trust their character and that you see the potential in them being able to lead at a very high level. When you have that, you found your one and we get to share with them what you build as expected and then turn into how do we actually develop them? So we're going from what is expected to who's your one to how do we actually do this? And y'all know this, you've heard this before. I didn't make this up. More is caught than is taught. So let me take you back to what I did when I got challenged by Tom to say, what are you going to do? Number one thing, you need to train your replacement. Here's what we started to do. First, I had to figure out what my job was outside of Tom's number one charge for me. Second, I had to find somebody. Uh, We had to hire somebody and I had to hire that right person. And then I had to figure out, is this something that you want to do? And so we started working together and figuring out all of that out. And then here's exactly how I went through developing her so that she could take the role when I went on to do something different. We started doing the work together. I started inviting her along with me. The first thing that we did was just observe, come with me, come into the board meeting, sit and watch, and we're going to debrief after come with me when I go into these type of meetings, a strategy meeting or an operational meeting. And then you and I talk about it after let's observe what I'm doing and ask me questions about how I'm doing, why I'm doing it. Just invite them to come along with you and observe. It is a great place to start. If you have that person who desires and aspires to lead, they're going to be a curious individual. So invite them to observe and then set up time on the back end where you all can review, ask questions. This can be coffee. This can be lunch. It doesn't have to be the formal big old paper. More is caught than taught, and it's just conversational learning. From there, after we do that, the next thing that we want to do is figure out the specific gaps that we have the opportunity to gain. Maybe there are skills, maybe it's certifications, maybe it's training. I want to be able to pour into those areas, kind of the potential that I saw. Let's equip them in that space. So observational watching and learning and discussing, 
finding the actual gaps that are going to be needed to be successful in the role. And then the last one is share stories and give feedback both ways. As we do that, we're going to learn from one another. They're going to learn from the stories that I have, that I can share, that when I face this challenge, here's what we did, here's how we thought about it. And then I can give feedback on the performance and they can also give me feedback on how might they approach it different. And we can actually talk about problems before they exist so that they are better equipped to walk into it whenever they are there. And this can go for an executive leader, a pastor, wherever you are in your team and leading your team. It does not have to be, I'm here one day, gone tomorrow, figure it out. Give me a call if you need to, and I'll do the best I can to help. We've set ourselves up in our organizations for failure and for moving slowly through that leadership transition. We want to be able to run the race in a way that when we make that baton handoff, all of our legs are running and moving and it's just a smooth handoff to the next person and everybody knows what's happening and why it's happening so that person can grab the baton and run even faster, even further than I may have. Y'all, leaders develop leaders. And when you turn around and think about and outline what is expected, who is this person that can come behind and how can I develop them? You are going to help them walk into the role, be successful, and you are going to further the organization's impact well beyond leaving a legacy that outlives you. And that's the goal. That's the goal of leadership and developing other leaders to leave a legacy of impact. I know you all will go do it. Now we got to make a baton handoff switch and get producer Matthew in here so that we can answer some questions. And while he's coming in, let's just set it up, remind everybody, we want to answer your questions. This is a live listener driven podcast, and we want to be able to get in with what you got going on so that we can coach you through the stressful, the challenging, the complex, the frustrating. So send your questions to podcast at leadwell.com or text me your question at 832-895-1253 or leave me a voicemail at that same number, 832-895-1253 and we will answer your question on a future podcast. I can't wait to hear what's going on with you, how we might be able to help. Producer Matthew, uh, we got some questions today from people around the country. What do we have today and how can we help? Our first one here is from a great executive in the heartland of America. And they asked, when we need to give challenging, constructive, or critical feedback to someone, how do we deliver it so that they are receptive and not defensive and avoid them feeling the need to take their reaction back to the rest of the team? Wow. Wow. I don't know if, if you all feel this, but when I give feedback, sometimes I get defensive. Uh, and so I've learned, uh, one, for me, uh, that's probably a me thing. I got to do some work to figure that out. But I love the heart of this person is, as the leader. How can I actually help with that? So here are some things that we can do to help limit that defensiveness, uh, both in terms of how we set it up, our approach, um, but also just that that consistency piece. So great question. Here are some things to think about and consider doing. Uh, first and foremost, we usually get into those and we immediately jump to defending because I'm 
feeling a little bit judged, uh, maybe a little criticized. And so as a leader, I want to clear the deck on that. Uh, I want to affirm them. I want to validate the work that they're doing. And I want to talk about how this is good for them, for their growth, and for their goals. If I know where they're trying to go and what goals they have, I can frame the feedback in a way that is helping them to be able to achieve those goals. Similarly, I also I just said, I want to kind of remove that judge. There's a great leader that we get the opportunity to work with. His name's Cam. And Cam says, let's talk about the last 10%. And I love that because it frames up that all of what you're doing, 90% of it is stellar. So let's talk about the last 10%. I'm for you. I'm a fan of you. You're doing great work. Let's talk about this thing, right? So I want to do those two things. If I know their goals, then feedback can be helpful for their growth. And I want to talk about the last little bit of it. We're not talking about everything you do all the time. I think those help setting kind of that defensiveness. I think one of the things that often happens to, and maybe this isn't you, maybe this is a more of a me thing, uh, but sometimes I'm a, uh, uh, I'm a wimp. <laughs> sometimes I'm a wimp and I don't want to sit down and have this hard conversation and I save it and I save it and I save it. And then I kind of drop the bomb. Uh, it could be quarterly, it could be once a year in the dreaded annual review. I think the earlier we engage and the more often, the more it sets it as a culture of this is just how we talk. I'm going to praise you, praise you, praise you, and we're going to talk about performance. Hey, this was wonderful, and to make it excellent, we're going to do this. Hey, yesterday, what we put out wasn't exactly the standard that we're targeting. So here's what we're going to change. Or maybe you just ask them the question, how can you change it to make it even better? So F, I just want to keep walking them through that. And I want to build a culture where this is just a consistent piece of what they expect from me and what they expect from this relationship. That's a good one. Thanks, Matthew. What else do we have? This next one comes from a director out on the East Coast. They say, I have a rock star on my team. He knows he's a rock star and he's acting like a jerk. Oh, what do dear. I do? <laughs> oh, we all, I mean, every, every single one of us immediately, sadly, uh, just thought of somebody, right? Maybe they're on our team or maybe they're in our organization. And we just thought of that. And here's the thing that I'm wrestling with right now, listening to this Rockstar tells me they are performing. They're doing a great job and people do not like them. That's really what I heard in those two things. And now I have to sit here and decide what am I going to do about it? Am I going to stand with that performance or am I going to stand with people? And I don't know that it's an either or. I actually think you can do this in a way that it is together and where it is still for them, right? We always say as a leader, I want to serve. I want to be for the people, for the place, for the work that we're doing. So here's how I might uh, go about this, not knowing all of the context, but just knowing uh, rock star, jerk. Okay, let's level set in on this. First question I'm asking myself, does this person know that they are a jerk? Does this person know that other people think they're a jerk? Oftentimes, problem people don't know that they're a problem. Let me say that again. Oftentimes, problem people do not know that they are a problem. They need to be reflected 
how they're coming off to folks. So me as a leader, have I done my job to let them know, hey, when you shut everybody down, as soon as they ask you a question, here's how that's coming off. Or when people bring ideas and all you say is, that's never going to work, that's never going to work, that's never going to work. Or you agree to things and then you go do it your own way just because you know you're going to do it well as a really high performer. Here's how that's impacting people through the organization. So first I got to reflect it. Second, I need to let them know this is still me as the leader before I even put it on them. Me as a leader, I got to let them know that it's not okay. If that's not what you're going to tolerate in the organization, you have to let them know that that's not okay. Because whatever you are willing to accept is what you are going to get. So again, those first two are on the leaders. Do they know? And have I made it clear that what is happening is not okay? Then I'm going to flip it around to them and I'm going to coach them and I'm going to guide them. If they are willing to go in and start to adapt, you might say start to soften, but really it's just start to engage with people in a respectful, honoring, curious, helpful way, kind way. I'm going to coach. I'm going to help. I'm going to do whatever I can. And if it is not changing for me, uh, looking at performance and people and how do I do this while managing kind of culture and team and expectations, there will come a time where it is, if this is how you continue to behave as a jerk, not being kind to people, not being helpful, shutting them down, here's what's going to happen. We're going to build a plan. If the behaviors don't change, then we're going to exit from the organization and we're going to set you free to go perform really highly at a place where you can behave like this. And that's really hard and it's really awkward. But for me to serve and lead the organization and the people, at some point, that's what's going to have to happen so that everybody uh, can thrive and be well and do work and enjoy the work and be effective at the work. Hope that helps. That was a great one. Matthew, anything else for us today before we do our sign off? Well, this last one is for you personally and the people want to know what was your first job <laughs> the people <laughs> the people yeah. what was my oh my <laughs> what was my first job um okay my first my first job was probably mowing my parents lawn uh but I, I don't think that's what we're counting um and then my next job which probably still doesn't count because i was 12 uh was we would go in and clean out commercial uh, real estate properties for a friend's dad so that then he was selling them. So like we swept and like picked up stuff and uh, threw a bunch of heavy stuff in the trash. It was awesome. Uh, but my first kind of I get paid W2 job uh, was at the movie theater in Bay City, Michigan. I did cash register, concessions, and tour tickets. And I thought it was the coolest thing because I got to go see free movies. So there you go. First job, 16-year-old, work in the movies in Bay City, Michigan. All right. Y'all, we would love to get questions from you uh, so that we can continue to help and coach and answer. And please take the time to share, subscribe, review this podcast. It helps us get it out to other people. And we want to stay connected with you so that you stay connected with us, with this content, so that we can help you lead well. My friends, be well, lead on, and God bless.